Given my circumstances, if my birth parents came down this aisle right now, I would not know either one if my daddy came up here or my mother came up here. Given the fact that I was born in an abandoned building on a floor, being labeled educable, mentally retarded. She said, no one could have convinced me that day when I walked in that house and this lady was holding you and your brother. And she said, ma'am, I want you to promise me two things. And she said, what is it? She says, one, promise me that you won't separate them. She said, I want them raised together. I want them to know each other. I got pregnant while my husband was away in the war and I can't keep them. Promise me that you won't separate them. She said, I promise I won't. I've never had children. I promise I won't separate them. And she said, promise me that you'll never tell them about who I am because if my husband ever found out, he would kill me. She said, I promise. And she said that she gave them to us and, and she kind of cried and she, and she was walking out the door and she looked at my adopted mother. She said, remember, don't you separate them. She said, I swear to God, I won't. I won't separate them, I'll keep them together. And she said, as I held y'all in my arms, I never had any children of my own. I didn't know how I was gonna do it, but I knew with the help of God, I would do it. And ladies and gentlemen, my mother had a dream of having children and raising us. She didn't know how she was gonna do it. See, when I was in the fifth grade, I was identified as EMR, labeled educable, mentally retarded. Put back from the fifth grade to the fourth grade. I failed again when I was in the eighth grade. I have no college training. And a man changed my life, and I'll never forget his name, Mr. Leroy Washington. He's in his 80s now, and, and he's blind from glaucoma, but he, he gave me a different vision of myself. I was in his class waiting on another student. He came in and said, young man, go to board and work this problem out for me. I said, oh, sir, I can't do that. He said, why not? I said, I'm, I'm not one of your students. He said, look at me. Yes, sir. Go to the board and work the problem out anyhow. I said, sir, I, I can't do that. He said, why? I said, sir, because I'm educable, mentally retarded, sir. I'm in special education. And the students started laughing. They said, that's Leslie. That's not Wesley. He's DT. Wesley is the smart twin. He said, what does DT stand for? I said, um, I'm the dumb twin, sir. And as the students laughed at me, he came from behind his desk. He looked at me and he said, don't you ever say that again. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. On one hand, I was humiliated, but on the other hand, I was liberated because he looked at me with the eyes of Gerda who said, look at a man the way that he is, he only becomes worse. But look at him as if he were what he could be, then he becomes what he should be. And so we developed a relationship. And one of the things that I can just tell you as you think about your goals and dreams, all of us can say in a spirit of integrity that it's possible. 
that if anybody at any point in time lived their dream, then it's possible that I can live mine. And what I did was, I made a mistake. I looked at my goals and dreams, and my mind said, how will you do that? I went from my heart to my mind. And I stayed up there for 14 years. 14 years. I can't bring those 14 years back. Those years are gone. And I've made a mission in my life to help people to stop putting it off and procrastinating. The first time I stood up to speak, I stood up and my mind sat down. I looked at the audience and I panicked. I had to introduce a play at school. Uh, we're about, we're about to start. A, uh, uh, ran off, Mr. Washington. Mr. Brown, where are you going? Uh, Mr. Washington, I, I can't think, sir. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. Did you rehearse? Yes, sir, I did. Well, what's wrong? Why did you say your lines? I, 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 don't, I don't know, sir. I, I just I got up there and I looked at him and everything left me. Let me do it another day, please, sir. No, go back out there, Mr. Brown. Mr. Washington, I'll mess up, please, sir. Don't, 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 don't send me out there now. I'll mess up. Mr. Brown, if you run now, you will always be running. Anything is worth doing, it's worth doing badly until you get it right. Why are you moving like that? I got to go to the bathroom, sir. Mr. Brown. Go back out there. Yes, sir. We have a start a play called 12 Angry Men, directed by Mr. Leroy Washington. And I ran off. The next day, hey, Alfalfa! They dogged me out. They talked about me so bad. The next time another event came up, Mr. Washington, Mr. Brown, you're up. I said, no, Mr. Washington. Everybody says, no, not him. I said, they're right, Mr. Washington, not me. He said, Mr. Brown, you're up. Yes, sir. And I went out, and pretty soon, when people laughed at me, it didn't bother me. They would throw paper, and I could catch it without losing my concentration. And then one day, I came out, and a hush went across the audience because it must have been something about me that indicated that I had come to myself. And Mr. Washington had been practicing with me to give a presentation. And I looked at the audience and I said, I choose not to be a common man. It's my right to be uncommon if I can. I seek opportunity, not security. I do not wish to be a kept citizen, humbled and dull by having the state look after me. I want to take the calculated risk to dream and to build, to fail and to succeed. I refuse to live from hand to mouth. I prefer the challenges of life to the guaranteed existence, the thrill of fulfillment to the stale calm of utopia. I will never cower before any master, nor bend to any threat. It's my heritage to stand erect, prouder and afraid to face the world boldly and say, this I have done. I used to feel all my life 
but people who had college degrees were more intelligent than me. I remember going to see the late Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, the author of the book, The Power of Positive Thinking, and I used to look at him up on stage and I said, I could do that. I would love to talk to people. I love to talk to people. And I said, I could do that. But then when I started going back to my car, my mental conditioning activated itself. And it said, Les Brown, you can't do that. You don't have a college education. Les Brown, you can't do that. You don't have the training. You've never worked for a major corporation. You can't do that. What makes you think you can earn five, 10, 15, 20,000 dollars in an hour? You don't earn that now working for two or three months. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had to retrain my thinking because of what I saw. Studies indicating that the decisions we make in life is directly related to the things that we saw, the things that we experienced, the conversations we've been exposed to between age zero and five. And so as a result of that, my experience, I had to begin to engage in a process of retraining my mindset, and I didn't even know what I was doing. It's very important for you to believe that you are the one to make this happen. I remember this high school teacher, Mr. Leroy Washington, At the end of school, one June, it was just a few days before we were supposed to leave. And I just got my report card. And it indicated that I'd fail history. And I'd fail English. And I would have to go to summer school. And I was feeling within myself that I was a failure, that I'm slower than most people in getting paperwork. And and I was feeling down on myself and, and, and very negative. And Mr. Washington was giving a speech to the graduating seniors, and I was in 11th grade. And even though I wasn't supposed to be in there, I went in there because the speech he was giving, that speech was for me. And as he talked, my heart began to beat fast. Tears began to run by my eyes, and and I was in the back just listening to him. He said, as graduating seniors of Booker T. Washington High School, I want you to know that you're blessed and highly favored. And that as you go toward the future, begin to know that you have greatness within you. And if just one of you here begin to envision yourselves as being blessed and highly favored to reach your goals, if just one of you capture the essence of what that means that you have greatness within you and a responsibility to manifest that greatness 
that you can make your parents proud, you can make your school proud, you can touch millions of people's lives, and the world will never be the same again because you came this way. And the students gave him a rousing standing ovation. And as he left the auditorium, I ran down the steps and I caught him in the parking lot. I said, Mr. Washington? He said, yes. I said, do you remember me, sir? My name is Leslie Brown. My mother, she works in the cafeteria here. I'm one of the twins, Leslie and Wesley. I said, Mr. Washington, but you know, you know, I got these big dreams. You know, I like talking to people. I love people. I said, I, I want to work with people. And I got this dream of buying my mama a home. Could, could I do that, Mr. Washington? He said, it's possible, Mr. Brown. And as he walked away, I called him again. I said, Mr. Washington? He said, what do you want now? I'm the one, sir. I said, I'm the one. You, you remember me, sir. I'm Miss Mamie Brown's boy. I'm the one. I'm the one. My first major goal was to buy my mother a home. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. What, what will reasons do, Les? Nietzsche said, if you know the why for doing, you can endure almost anyhow. What do you mean by that? If you know why you're doing something, when the hard times come and they're going to come, when the disappointments and the rejections come and they're going to come by the truckloads, your reasons will be your rod and staff to comfort you, to pick you up once again. I got a saying on one of my tapes, if life knocks you down, try and land on your back. Because if you can look up, you can get up. Let your reasons get you back up. Mr. Brown, what do you want to do with your life, young man? Say, I'd like to become a disc jockey. Why, sir? Because I want to buy my mother a home. He said, great. Listen to Paul Harvey. Here are my car keys. Go in the car, 12 noon. He comes on every day why because if you want to be successful study the people that are doing what you want to do he's the best in the world when it comes to communication i suggest to you as you look at what you want to achieve look at the top achievers understand and know they are only an example they are not an exception they're an example of what you can do because success leaves clues follow the system watch the leaders and study them i did that and he said mr brown detoxify your life let all the negative people in your life go can i change them no it's a full-time job changing yourself. He's right. All my life, people have always compared me to my brother because I'm not smart like him. It takes me longer to get things than most people. I have to hear it again and again. But once, I got it, sir. I got it. You, you're the only person that never called me stupid or dumb. You never call me DT, the dumb twin. You, you look at me like, um, like I'm somebody.
I've never had a father, and I, I watch you, and I, I want to be able to talk like you. I, I get choked up sometimes because I can't get my thoughts out, sir. I want to do what you do, and I want to make my mama proud. He said, you can do it, Mr. Brown. I've given you all you can get from me. Now it's on you. If you want to be at this job, you go out into the marketplace. I became the errand boy for the disc jockeys. I'd go get their lunch and their dinner. And I stand in the control room watching them move their hands, knowing my time will come. And one day, it was a Saturday afternoon, a disc jockey by the name of Rockin' Roger was drinking while he was on the air. He began to slur his words. He got so drunk he was about to fall off the chair. And I was the only one there looking at him through the control room window. Then pretty soon the phone rang, it was the general manager, and I answered the phone, I said, hello? He said, Rock can't finish the show. I said, I know. I called my mom and my girlfriend, Cassandra, I said, y'all come out on the front porch and turn on the radio, I'm about to come on the air. He said, young boy, you know how to work the controls? I said, yes, sir. He said, go on there and segue the records. Don't you say nothing here. I put on a fast record, I said, look out, this is me, LB. Let's brown your platter playing papa. There were none before me and there will be none after me. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I remember when I, I bought the home for my mother and she came out of the car. When I opened the door, I said, Mom, I think I know these people in this house. That was my first major goal. And then I couldn't conceal it anymore. I said, Mom, I got this for you. And as she went from room to room, looking at the house and saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. No one ever could have convinced me that this could have happened to me. I remember when I was in broadcasting, when I was a disc jockey, I became very controversial, not only being a disc jockey, but I felt that radio was something that you not only entertain people with, but you also empower them, you educate them. And I got fired. I didn't just leave, they fired me. They took my microphone. I thought that was who I was. No, no, ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't. I had to do something else. And I didn't know what else I could do. See, life had moved on me and said, Les Brown, you have outgrown this. It's time for you to do something else. 
And so a guy suggested to me, he said, Les, why don't, why don't you run for office? So I ran. Now here's what I'm suggesting. I ran. You got to do what you can, where you are, with what you have. I didn't have any money. I didn't know anything about the political process. I didn't even have any support. But here's what the guy told me. It's possible you could win. That's all I had. I was running against an endorsed candidate. He was an incumbent. He had the newspaper support, all of the leadership in the community. And I was challenging this guy. So I had a saying when I was on radio, stand up for what you believe in because you can fall for anything. And I would go door to door. I have my kids on one side of the street. I would be on the other and I'd, I'd knock on doors. Hello, my name is Les Brown. Tell everybody I'm still standing. See, I'm saying just, just keep moving. Don't start feeling sorry for yourself. Don't spend time blaming and talking about what happened to you. See, whatever you talk about, that's what you multiply and expand in your life experience. So don't talk about stuff unless you want it to keep on happening to you, all right? Had my children with me. We're going door to door. Didn't have enough money. Eventually, we got close to the election and something happened that really surprised me. Guys who I thought were going to either support me or stay out of it, various powerful community leaders, they became involved in it and they endorsed my opponent. I felt devastated. Now that's going to happen to you when you're working on your dream. Things are going to happen that's going to catch you on the blind side. That was shocking to me. Usually in the state representative race, maybe three or four thousand people will come out to vote in a primary. And that primary race, over 27,000 people came out and voted. I won, ladies and gentlemen. So you've got to be willing to stay focused, to be creative, to be relentless, because things are going to happen to you when you're working on your dream. And so the things happen in life. When you have goals and dreams, things happen. I had no idea. Midway of my third term, my mother became ill. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. My brothers and sisters called me and said they're going to put her in a nursing home. And I said, no. They said, we thought you would say that. We've interviewed the best nursing homes in Dade County. I said, I said, no. So I had a problem. How can one woman raise seven children who couldn't take care of themselves, but seven grown people couldn't take care of one woman? I had a problem with that. So I resigned from the Ohio legislature and I came back to Miami to take care of mama and took care of her until 89. When I decided to become a speaker, I didn't just quit my job and just ran out and say, I'm a motivational speaker, no. What I did was I decided to start looking at other people that were involved in the speaking profession. I volunteered to work with some speakers so that I could learn. I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. It's my 21st year. I could have been speaking and training for 34 years, but for 14 years, I was living in my head. For 14 years, I stopped myself. For 14 years, I used to go see Zig Ziglar that I considered the number one motivational speaker on the planet. Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins, they're the best on the planet. Bob Proctor, they're the best on the planet. Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, T. Harv Eckert. I would go and see them and then I would leave and my conversation with myself was, my heart would say, I can do that. And then my mind would ask, how? How would you do that, Les Brown? 
what will they listen to me for? That's the way I felt. And so I had to, to visualize myself speaking before them, speaking before various audiences that had more going for them than I did, and realize and appreciate my own value and that I was a worthwhile person, even though I didn't have all going for me. I didn't have the money, I didn't have the education that they had. So part of the process is seeing yourself being worthy. I never worked for a major corporation. I wanted to speak for corporations. I was afraid I would, I would be exposed because I don't have a college education. I felt inferior because of the fact that I don't have a college education. I allowed that level of fear of failure to stop me. And because I never had any experience in it, I assumed that I could not do it. I was paralyzing myself by believing and assuming the limited part of myself as opposed to believing that I had something special. It's hard changing your life. It was hard when just over three years ago in the Penobscot building in Detroit, Michigan, where I was operating my business and I fell on some hard times and I was sleeping in my office. It was hard coming into the lobby and the security said, excuse me, Mr. Brown, can we see you for a moment? And I said, yes. And I walked up to the counter and he gave me an envelope. And he said, would you mind reading it here? And I opened the envelope, and the envelope was from management that said, this is an office tower. It's not a hotel. Please do not sleep in your office. And I said, excuse me, sir. I said, I just work long hours in creating my business. I'm an entrepreneur. And right now, things are bad for me. But they're not going to be this way always. And I just asked for the opportunity to continue to operate like I'm doing. I'm not trying to make this my home. And it was hard coming through the lobby. And sometimes they would laugh. There's a guy talking about becoming successful. And look at him. He's bathing in the bathroom upstairs on the 21st floor. He sleeps on the floor. Him and two other dreamers up there. Look at him. It was hard, ladies and gentlemen, coming to speak to people and I was facing financial difficulties in my own life. I was behind on my bills and my dreams, and I'm saying to them, you can live your dream. It was hard, ladies and gentlemen. It was very difficult to pick myself up each day believing that I could do it. There were times that I doubted myself. I said, God, why, why is this happening to me? I'm just trying to take care of my children and my mother. I'm not trying to steal a rock from anybody. Why did this have to happen to me? It was very hard. And here's what I want to say to you. For those of you that have experienced some hardships, don't give up on your dream. No one could have convinced me by holding on, by continuing to push forward, by continuing to run toward my dream, that one day I would have my own talk show. It's a long shot, ladies and gentlemen, from Liberty City, an abandoned building on a floor never knowing my mother or father. It's a long shot being here with you today in this dome in Atlanta. It's a long shot 
No college training labeled educable mentally retarded, but I kept running toward my dream. It's very important as you hold on to that dream. There are moments when you're going to doubt yourself. There are rough times are going to come, but they have not come to stay. They have come to pass. It's very important for you to know that. Don't say I'm having a bad day. Say I'm having a character building day. And I remember when PBS first played one of my specials called You Deserve one Sunday afternoon in Miami, Florida. And he watched the program. He called me in Detroit and I answered the phone. I said, hello. He said, may I speak to Les Brown, please? I said, who's calling? He said, you know who this is. I said, oh, Mr. Washington, it's you. He said, you were the one, weren't you? I said, yes, sir. If you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight for it, to work day and night for it, to give up your time, your peace, and your sleep for it, if all that you dream and scheme is about it, and life seems useless and worthless without it, and if you gladly sweat for it and fret for it and plan for it, and lose all your terror of the opposition for it, and if you simply go after that thing that you want, with all of your capacity, strength and sagacity, faith, hope, and confidence, and stern pertinacity, if neither cold, poverty, famish, or gold, sickness or pain of body and brain can keep you away from the thing that you want, if dogged and grim you besiege and beset it, with the help of God, you'll get it. <laughs> 